Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Fantasy Baseball today starts right now. I am Chris Welsh, and back in the driver's seat is Scott White, fresh off of like a crazy, raucous, hangover-like wedding tour. What all did you do, Scott? Did you end on a roof with a mattress and people are looking for you for three days? I ate tacos. Yeah, then what else? Then, like, you had to get broken out of jail because there was a car in the middle of the road? Mm, no, I got I got some, like, sauce on my tie. Did you hang out with, like, Mike Tyson and, like, take his tiger or anything? I hugged my cousins. Well, that's pretty close to Mike Tyson and a tiger, I guess. So, okay, <laughs> so it's, it sounds pretty ruckus. Um, yeah, it was a wild time. Yeah, it was. It was a good time. We missed you. We all missed you. Uh, our buddy Pitcher List, Nick Pollock, he filled in a very, very good response. Shout out to everybody on the good response. As I said before, it was like the teenager being left home alone without the parents. I kind of missed you. I kind of, I was just like, I'm, I feel like we've got a good vibe and I'm used to yeah. my time with Scott White and I, I'm glad to have mm-hmm. you back. He was he was destroying your flow, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. That's easy yeah. to do with me, of course. So it is good to have you back. A lot going on in the world right now. I was actually out at uh, the uh, Salt River Fields out here in Phoenix for all you baseball people that might care. I interviewed Royce Lewis, top prospect that you might see next week or next year, maybe next week. I don't think you'll see him. I'll see him. But uh, next year, you'll probably see him and uh, check out Prospect One if you want to hear that interview. And only three more shows till the end. Teardrop, teardrop, cry emoji, cry emoji. Only three more, Scott. Yeah, third to last show uh, of the regular season. Now, we, I don't know who exactly we is going to consist of, but certainly a lot of me um, will be, you know, making weekly appearances in the offseason, keep you up to date on offseason happenings, a little foretaste for 2020 preview stuff, I'm sure. Much much more open-ended conversation in the off-season shows. I think that Love it. that makes them more fun in a way. Uh, so stay tuned throughout the off-season if you're somebody who likes fantasy baseball or baseball or just us. Yeah, there you go. Those are great sells right there. I'm uh, all for it. And we are going to attempt to get to some 2020 talk today. Of course, we're going to see how it goes every time. There's so much to talk about. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of good response you guys are getting your help in winning your championships right now, and I know you guys value it. So I want to make sure we cover as much as possible to help you in that. But I have got a nice locked and loaded set of emails for 2020 conversation. But let's kick the show right off here because we were reunited and it has felt so good. Four guys, four relatively top name players have all returned on Tuesday, led by uh, Luis Severino, who we've been waiting on the entire year. Luis Severino returned with the Yankees, went four innings, two hits, no earned runs, two walks and four strikeouts, 67 total pitches. And from Brian Hotch, I got this uh, info from his tweet, through six, uh, th- 67 pitches, generated 13 swing and misses, averaged 96.6 miles per hour on his fastball, maxed at 98.8, threw 37 fastballs, 19 sliders, and 11 changeups. How you like Dim apples. It was oh so close. Luis Severino was my cover boy on the uh, two-star pitcher rankings column for this week. The guy, yeah, 
Kind of like it worked out for Johnny Cueto last week. Fresh off the IL, hurried rehab assignment. Could we trust him right away? Well, he had a big lead. He pitched great. Threw as, about as many pitches as in his last rehab start, but they didn't let him throw anymore. He was just an inning shy of qualifying for the win, which makes it not, not such a success. Not such a success. Obviously, he helped ratios, so that's good. And it looks like he is in line to make a second start Sunday. Who knows what could change between now and then. Uh, and in which case, I would I would think he'd be allowed to throw 67 pitches. I would hope more than that. Um, would you put him out there, though? Like, if, if he's under the same restraints. Well, it's Toronto. Well, I know it's, it's Toronto, Toronto, but it's, if it's under the same restraints, he's got to be relatively as effective. I mean, unless he pulls an ultra-effective Johnny Cueto start, I suppose, to go five. I guess all I'm alluding to is... Ratios are good. The matchup looks pretty solid. But if you're really vying for that win, I mean, you feel. I guess. I guess if the if the start isn't worrisome enough, you just play it out, and then you know if everything goes well, maybe you get five innings and you get the win. I'm just not so hopeful yeah. he's going to get there. Well, I, do they want him in their postseason rotation or not? I would think they do. I mean, he's a healthy. Luis Severino is the best pitcher they have. They're already kind of committing to not having Domingo Herman in their postseason rotation. Who's probably been their best pitcher with Severino sideline this season. So, so are you talking like, so you're talking here stretching out. You yeah, know, stretching yeah. him out. Like, that's why I was surprised they kind of cut him off at the same point that is as his last rehab start. Like, 75, 80 pitches next time out. Uh, you know, unless they explicitly say they're not going to do that, I think this was a, enough of a success that I would be, I would feel good about starting Severino against the Blue Jays next time out. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I, uh, I think the big comment after the game was he like he walked away from this start good. There were no issues, and mm-hmm. there would be no reason to halt him back. So as long as yeah. he's effective, going five seems very, very obtainable. It's a pretty it, good start, and he mixed his pitches, hit top velocity. I mean, he's checking all the boxes for us to feel fantastic. It just it's unfortunate. It's the second week before the year ends. The second to last week. Yeah, and of the pitchers coming back, I, I think he's the only one with a real chance of making a fantasy impact because he actually had he actually had a rehab assignment. He was actually able to go for his first start back. Unlike and, uh, Blake unlike, Snell. Unlike Blake, Blake Snell, who uh, tonight exactly. went up against the Dodgers. You know, and I, I had really harpened that, like, I don't want any part of this start. I think I said it with Nick um, on the last show. Now, the positive is he did nothing to hurt you outside. He only went two innings. He got four strikeouts, but no walks, no one runs none of that stuff, but he only hit 26 pitches and then he was out. He was out after the second inning. So any feeling of positivity on the back end of this, or do you think it's let's have Blake Snell be an opener the rest of the way through? Cause if this feels opener ish, well, uh, I, I would imagine he gets two more of these over the rest of the season, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. I maybe he'll be built up to five innings by that second start. Uh, if if the Rays do advance to the postseason, obviously, I mean, you could say the same thing. It's just he's he has further to go than Severino to to be built up to go that far, and I, I don't think. I don't think it's going to happen. And even from like a ratios perspective, I, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to use Blake Snell versus some, you know, high high leverage reliever reliever who's more accustomed to that role and has uh, a longer track record of pitching well in that role than somebody like Snell. 
Yeah, and you're right, because Snell's also not going to get the opportunity if he fumbles at all early on. He's not going to get the opportunity to get right, so it has the potential to blow up your ratios. Sure, that's great if you get two or three innings with a couple strikeouts, but it seems a little bit more, I don't know if the uh, if you would risk it for the biscuit, as they would say. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And then the third guy, the third starting pitcher making his return is Brandon Woodruff, and it's the same thing for him, two innings. Four strikeouts, only one walk. Look great. In fact, but of Severino, Snell, and Woodruff, only Woodruff's velocity was in midseason form. Only he was throwing pitches as hard as he was before, well, the last time we saw him. But 37 pitches, again, didn't have like a, a an actual minor league rehab assignment, kind of like Snell. So it, it's the same situation there where I, I don't think I don't think there's just going to be I don't think there's just going to be a chance for for you to use him and expect him to make a, a real impact for your fantasy team. And it's important because I know a lot of you are going to probably be asking these questions post these starts. I was looking Woodruff was interesting on CBS owned 71 percent overall, but only started 12 percent. So maybe people not realizing, maybe people worried, whatever it is. I know you're going to have the questions. There you go from Scott Snell and Woodruff. Probably not worth it. Severino would be the fourth player, though not a pitcher, who returned on Tuesday. Maybe a little bit of a shock that he actually did get back was Carlos Correa. Two notes, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Not great, but also they hit him seventh. So, you know, I don't know where you can really take this. This isn't a guy, Scott, that you're going to say, hey, bench him until he gets right. You're going to probably no. put him out there unless you had great probably. options. It's just don't love to see him art, like throwing him at seven. And he's a little bit rusty, obviously, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Yeah, but yeah, everyday player, obviously, there's it's not the same situation as the pit, as a pitcher because there's no need for like a buildup, and obviously it's day after day that they're going to be able to play him. I think with some of the players, some of the high-end players that are now having to bow out for the rest of the season, Carlos Correa is going to be a pretty easy start for most people. I mean, it's a deep lineup, so it stands to reason they're batting him seventh. You know, he's behind Jordan Alvarez and Yuli Gurriel. I mean, it's <laughs> star-studded lineup there the Astros have. Uh, and, you know, it, I don't think he's going to be fixed at seventh spot for the final week and a half of the season necessarily. Hate to do it to you, Scott, but Jordan Alvarez. Not um, yeah. Ding, ding. Hate to do it. See, that's been that's been a contentious one. So I kind of guessed which way we were leaning with it at this point. But Jordan Alvarez, fair yeah, enough. That one does hurt. Every time I look at it, I'm like, yeah, Jordan um, the other interesting note, how much do you buy into this? Yankees manager Aaron Boone said Giancarlo Stanton could be activated Wednesday. Yeah, that's that's obviously good. Now, I would expect a higher level of rust for him than for Carlos Gurea. And uh, as many options as the, the Yankees have between the outfield and, and DH, in a daily league, I'm not sure I'm going to be rushing Stanton back out there, but... You know, weekly league, he finishes out the week strong. I think there's certainly a chance he's like a top 30, top 20, potentially even outfielder the rest of the way. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, it probably is already owned. And uh, if you happen to be a playoff team or a team that's still participating and have him in your IL spot, I, I don't think you drop him. Uh, just, yeah, I, I think you make room for him on your bench and see how this week plays out and then make a lineup decision based on that. And they said if he's not there Wednesday, for sure he'll be there Thursday. Yep. So every, everybody marking 
Giancarlo Stanton back for that final week at least. And last I saw, Joey Gallo is supposed to return Friday, right? Uh, I didn't see the no. I, you know, I didn't go to look to Joey Gallo, but that is a good one and something we will check back in with for the Friday show for sure. But uh, be on the lookout for Joey Gallo. Some power hitters coming back, which is a nice little, you know, the Lord of Baseball, baseball taketh and sometimes they giveth back like uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Joey Gallo. We've got a couple games that are in progress as we're recording this. This is close into actually to midnight Eastern. Uh, we have got... A couple that were in extra innings, and I'm only noting a few of these. Diamondbacks, Marlins, uh, you've got Royals and A's, Dodgers and Rays. But Cattell Marte was taken out of the fifth um, due to back stiffness with the Diamondbacks. So that's going to be something to monitor. I don't know how severe it could be. You'd have to imagine next game he's going to sit. But this could have some impact for your weekend lineup, so you may need to take some... um, aggressive offensive actions as far as players go. But as far as Tuesday go, you got any standouts that you would like to target? We got a ton of stuff we're going to be covering, lots of pitchers. We've got some more hitters, tons of emails, but who would you like to highlight as uh, your standout? Probably have to start with Kevin Biggio, who hit for the cycle. And not only that, he stole two bases. So we're talking a one of the best single game performances for any player this year. What do you call that, by the way? Because they say a homer and a stolen base is a combo meal. Did he supersize his combo meal? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure I'd a even heard meal. the combo meal before. I'm going to call it a happy meal. That's what it is. Combo. Yeah, com- they say combo meal is the. Uh, uh, maybe I'm uh, no. It's yeah. Combo meal is the homer and stolen base combined in a night. This is going to be a happy meal cycle okay. with uh, two stolen bases. Pretty, pretty awesome. Also had uh, four hits in his uh, five previous games, was hitting 265 during the month of September with only one homer and two stolen bases. So he literally doubled his output in this one single game because he had been struggling. Oh, yeah. He'd been struggling. He hasn't really lived up to, I think, the most optimistic projections for him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking this changes that or the final week and a half that he's somebody you need to look into. But yeah, he's done some things really right. The home run pace is good. He's 13 for 13 in steals and basically half a season's work. His walk rate is near, well, it's like 17%. It's, it's tremendous. It's just strikeout issues and launch angle issues. Maybe selling out too much for the home run are really holding back that batting average. Those are things that could change. I mean, I don't think, I don't think he's somebody who we should necessarily uh, dismiss heading into next year. I, I mean, I, I think there's a good case to be made for him as a potential sleeper or breakout or whatever you want to call him. Uh, and you know, a, a game like this is a reminder of just what kind of impact he could have. There were some interesting pitching matchups that are actually going on right now, and I just want to note. Alex Young, who we've talked a lot about, the Diamondbacks are losing 5-4 to four in the bottom of the six, but he walked out only giving up one earned run with four strikeouts in five innings as he left the game. He, Him going up against Caleb Smith, who went five but gave up four earned runs and four strikeouts. And then in the Tampa game, we talked about how Blake Snell came out after two innings. They had a weird thing where they like scratched Ross Stripling from starting the game, yet 
he came in in it looks like the fourth inning and went two innings, striking out three, and do- the Dodgers are losing. So he would have been in line for a save. So they implemented just an entire you know opener situation with Caleb Ferguson and Stripling and just a whole setup there. So just a couple yeah. notes as far as the guys that are going a, on. A right bullpen now. game with former starters. Yeah, as the do- a Dodger game as the yeah, better way the Dodger, just to yeah, say it. Sure. Just an actual Dodger game. All right, let's take a quick break here, and then we got a whole bunch to cover. And this break is our friends over at ZipRecruiter, because hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-T-R-I-K-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash strike, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, so I know that everybody's top of mind right now has got to be what to do with starting pitching. In fact, what are the daily asks we're going to get? Should I start this guy on Wednesday? Should I start this guy on Thursday? Well, I know we've been Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so I figured... With only a week left to go, and we're always going to talk about the performances of the night. We want to hit on two starting pitchers, the two starters, but I want to focus on tomorrow. I want to, or as you guys are listening to this, on today on the Wednesday pitchers and some Thursday pitchers. So I went and took a look at the probable starters, and we actually have some decisions that we can go out and make. So Wednesday starting pitchers that are around 50% owned, I've got three for you, Scott. Homer Bailey. 58% versus Kansas City. He's got six straight starts of not giving up more than three earned runs, four wins in that time, 13-8 and record with a 4.76 ERA on the season. Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara? I always screw it up. Uh, Alcantara. 51% versus Arizona, coming off of two straight quality starts, one earned run in those uh, with a complete game. 5-13 Five and thirteen record though, just under four ERA. And his last up against Arizona though, he did go six, three walks, and four strikeouts. And then Mike Leake, fifty-four percent owned, going up against Miami. Four straight quality starts in twenty-six innings though. The last, he's only got eleven strikeouts. So all these fifty percent owned guys: Homer Bailey, uh, Sandy. Mike Leak, where are you going on Wednesday? As long as I cannot say Sandy's last name is what I'm trying to do. Well, That's I said why you're it wrong. Laughing. I said it wrong too. It's Alcantara. Alcantara. Yes. 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 I think if I'm choosing between those three, I I go Homer Bailey. Uh, I'd be fine with I like honestly Sandy Alcantara the way he's finishing the season. I mean, he might show up on my breakout list next year. I'm I'm very encouraged by this, but he does pitch for the Marlins. It makes Getting a win difficult. We came. We've come he, so far too. I just remember, you know, just like a little baby, like a month ago, we were just hating yeah. on Sandy, and it's turned around. He really has yeah. been magnificent in our time. He's grown together with you and I. He has. He has. It's. It's like he wanted to bring us together. He wanted to be. He wanted to forge that bond. <laughs> so so right. uh, so right. Yeah. Now, I mean, I should point out, and and maybe this goes without saying, but like, 
obviously the first place you should be looking for pitching help isn't the waiver wire. This is, this is strictly, I have a need. Oh my goodness. What am I going to do? And we're at the point of here's the bet. Here's the best of a bat. Here's the way you make the best of a bad situation. You go get Homer Bailey. You go get Sandy Alcantara. I don't trust Mike Leak at all. I understand it's the Marlins, but I, you know, that's that's getting really desperate, I think. Yeah, I mean, and we are, to reiterate, we are at that point of the year. The long-term plan is you want to set yourself up so you're not quite in this type of a situation, but anybody's, regardless of the pitching situation you have, I, I have a situation in the league I'm vying for a championship in right now. I have a, a good team, a very good team, really strong starting pitching, but... I had all of my guys go to start last week, which put me over. I was in a huge hole coming into the first three days of the start of this week because a lot of my good pitchers, they weren't going. This other guy not only had some decent options, but he was doing the streaming. So sure, ERA and whip can get ahead of him. So I needed to counter. I did counter. Actually, I picked up Trent Thornton and that it didn't work, but it was okay. It got me some innings (laughs) and it did some stuff. But it wasn't exactly what I was looking for, but it kept me in so I didn't get really, really behind in strikeouts. I was still, you know, working out with ERA and stuff. So just saying that we have a bigger plan. A lot of people might have gotten blown up in the first couple of days, or they might see how far they are behind, and they have got to reach for these. And Homer Bailey feels like a fantastic option to go with. Do you see uh, Alcantara as like the same value as Homer Bailey as far as a starter goes for Wednesday? I mean, Bailey has the better matchup, and he certainly has the better win potential. So you have to factor those in. But Alcantara, he's gone seven-plus innings in six of seven. And he had that and complete game start two starts ago. He's thrown, gotten seven-plus strikeouts in four of those. Seven. That, like, that's really what's changed for him is he started to get strikeouts. And, uh, I, I mean, that could be a total game-changer for a guy with who, uh, you know, has has a, a knack for pitching deep into games and uh, for the most part keeps the ball on the ground, is good at home run prevention. He's, he's definitely somebody to watch. I, I, think, I think there's little chance that Alcantara hurts you too badly in this start. I just don't think he's, there, there's the potential for him to be quite as helpful as Bailey. So if Bailey is sitting out there for anybody and you're looking to make a play, there's your play. Sandy's not a bad option. What about some fringier yep. options? There's two here. Danny Duffy, who's only 23% on CBS leagues, he's going up against Oakland. Uh, we just talked about what a good play that Homer Bailey is. But Danny Duffy does have three straight quality starts, five earned runs, and 14 strikeouts in those starts with a 4.5 ERA, 6-6 six and six record on the season. And then I'm just throwing this one out here to get your take on it, but CC Sabathia, who's only 22% owned, he's got the Angels. He hasn't gone five since yeah. July 16th, and there's still a question, will they continue to kind of play around in an opener type of a situation? Opener or no opener is the question. So, And he's going up against the Angels. So is Sabathia at all an option, and what about Duffy versus Bailey? I'd prefer Duffy, who's... Look good since coming back from the IL. Three straight quality starts. But obviously going against Oakland, that's that's not a great matchup. Sabathia, I mean, yeah, they've been piggybacking him, uh, Domingo Herman with him. And yeah, I don't I don't trust that to change. I I think between these two I would go Duffy, but this is this is getting like really toward the bottom of the barrel here. Like 
you have to you have to understand you're sacrificing certain things to get ahead in others if you're if you're turning to Duffy or certainly if you're turning to Sabathia, like just pursuing strikeouts at all costs. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have sometimes to make you do. that play. Sometimes you sure. do. How are you doing, by the way? Any championships we're vying for? I know you had a whole bunch. Are you uh, you in the thick of it right now? The same five that I was still in the hunt for last time we spoke. No big deal. Yep. Still, still, still in contention for those. Two of them are, wait, two of them or just one? I think just one is a Roto League that, you know, I feel pretty confident I'm going to win. And then three head-to-head leagues and a sim league where anything could still happen there. But I had the best regular season team in two of those three head-to-head leagues. So I'm feeling pretty good about my chances in those two. Well, our friend Mike in uh, New York said, Hey, guys, you wanted to hear some of your listeners or how some of your listeners are doing. I don't remember asking that, but I'm cool with that. I always like to hear from people. He says, I only play in two leagues, a 15-team dynasty league where I, I was locked into third. That's in the money, but 20-plus points behind the leader. Still good this year because I joined the league late and inherited a garbage team. And he's very happy he picked up Nico Horner, my guy Nico. He said, I made some good pickups in Cueto and Alcantara. Thanks for this one as he wasn't someone I was considering. I'm up 140 points going into the final week of the two-week championship and I'm feeling really good about winning my third title. I like this line here. He goes, I sometimes disagree with you guys, but I've been listening daily for several years now, so I'm sure that you have helped me. <laughs> I, I, I I'm that. sure. <laughs> just, it's just seeped in while I was disagreeing. Those are my favorite, like, it's it's like a backhanded compliment. It's like, you guys probably did something, but yeah, I disagree I'm sure with you, you guys. Did. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad I stuck it out with Darvish and Flaherty for this year, and I'm glad that my move for the future didn't prevent me from potentially winning this year. Let's get them ships. I just thought that was funny. And interesting overall when you have those compliments like, I disagree with you guys. I listen, yeah. but you probably helped. I bet. I mean, I, I I, would think everybody listening disagrees with us sometimes. Like Definitely me. That would be normal. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, especially since not everybody talking on the show agrees on the talking points all that often with each other. So, yeah. yeah. yeah and disagreement is good. I mean. And there's no way you guys haven't learned stuff. I mean, I've been doing fantasy baseball podcasting for five plus years. It's not obviously what Adam and Scott have been doing, but I'll tell you right now, I've learned a ton being on with you guys. It's a different way to approach some of this stuff too. And it's it's been a positive for me as a host. And I've been analyzing fantasy baseball for a long time and being on here has helped me. So uh, I won't say it's, you guys have probably helped me. You guys have definitely helped me in doing the hosting, but I know it was a nice compliment. That's what you were going for, Mike, and I can appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to kick over to the Thursday starting pitching ads because we are not going to be here on Thursday. So there's only two, and I'm just interested on your in your take on these because there's a lot of guys that you would expect and you can tell me, I don't like this. I absolutely love this. These are must-starts. And the two are Joe Musgrove, who's 66% owned. He's going up against Seattle. His last three starts, gone 17 innings, five earned runs, and 18 Ks. And the very often talked about Jordan Lyles, who is uh, 69% owned versus San Diego. And he's given up two earned runs or more only once in his last five starts, seven innings and 12 Ks versus San Diego this year. So Lyles and Musgrove are relatively high-ish owned, but... They still might be sitting out there, and people might have questions if they want to put them out. So what do you think about Musgrove and Lyles on Thursday? Well, I don't really trust what Lyles has been doing because there haven't been a lot of missed bats along the way. 
And I'm just afraid that's going to blow up in our faces if we put our faith in him now. So I can't, I can't fully get behind that one, but there may be a situation where there's, you know, it's, it's the best you can do. So if you were like really skimming along, really nice, good ratios, wins, you got some starters this weekend, Lyles is someone you're sitting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think most people listening wouldn't want anything to do with Lyles. It's more <laughs> if you just need, you just need to take a shot on anything you can. What if Jordan Lyles Whether it's to catch up Scott. in certain categories or to catch up in, in overall scoring, then then yeah, Lyles is maybe somebody you could turn to. What if he was listening? Uh, and you're like, nobody wants to, nobody would ever use Lyles. And he's like, hey, I'm sitting over here. I'm starting. I'm good. He's going to well, pitch a gym now just to spite you. I promise you. Uh, well, good for him if he does. <laughs> I mean, it, clearly some people, I mean, he's 69% owned. That's, that's, some people are buying into it. It's yeah. been a nice stretch with the Brewers. It's just not in a way that I think is sustainable. And then for Musgrove, I wanted to confirm because different sources are s- saying different pitchers are going that day. And it's always going to be a day-to-day thing this time of year. But if assuming Musgrove is going, and it's always scary to recommend Musgrove because it's often gone very poorly this year. Even versus the, Seattle? Well, yeah. I mean, anytime. Any, there have been so many blow-ups for Musgrove this year at inopportune times, just when you think he's turning things around. But this has been a you know a stretch of five starts, a stretch of six starts, where only one of them's bad, a 389 ERA overall during that stretch, right at a strikeout per inning. And uh, it's Seattle, like you said. So I feel much better about that one than Lyles. Who'd you rather hear, Joe Musgrove or Homer Bailey, if you had to do your Wednesday start or your Thursday start? I would say Musgrove. Musgrove. Okay, so there's a little bit of concern, but you're confident overall then? No, I'm not confident in any of these pitches. At least over. I'm sorry. You're confident <laughs> over Bailey. Because I, I felt like yeah. I felt like we talked kind of swimmingly about Homer Bailey. We're talking negative on Musgrove, yet he's over Homer Bailey. So I'm just trying to no, parse it's, out it's, what the next two days look like. Right. No, I, I get that. And, and that's 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 good. It's good to put everything into context. Uh, I I would say, you know, there's there's it's more about the history of Musgrove that makes me speak fearfully of him in terms of just personal history. Him, <sighs> yeah, just so many times this year, I thought it was going to go well, and it went very poorly instead. And it's just kind of one of those pitchers who's prone to the meltdown. I I think he's better. I think he's a better pitcher than Homer Bailey. So when things are going well, and look, Seattle's a better matchup even than KC. Who, uh, who Omar Bailey's facing. So that that helps contribute to it too. Uh, how about some two-start first starts here? I got four names for you and give me, um, I mean, just you know, give me a thought if you feel really confident, if your uh, lack of confidence is seeping through here. The two-start first starts, Andrew Plutko, who took over for Plesak, he went six, gave up two earned runs, six strikeouts. This was on Tuesday. Vin, uh, Vince Velasquez went five two earned runs, with eight strikeouts. He's got Cleveland up next. Not that we've really talked about him, but it was a good night. Uh, Martin Perez, four and two-thirds inning, 10 hits, but only three earned runs with four strikeouts. He's got Kansas City next. And Mitch Keller, who is a Nick Pollock special here, first start was good, went five, gave up six hits, two earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. And he's got that yelich list milwaukee start later in the weekend. So where does your confidence lead you to in whatever two-start confidence sits with these guys that I know you're actually not confident about. Yeah. If yeah, there are, they're all below Musgrove and Bailey for me. 
I think Pletco is probably the place I'd look first, but I don't really buy the skill set. Uh, other than limiting walks, I don't see what it is he does well. And I think he's pit- been pitching over his head, and Philadelphia is a tough matchup. And no, I just don't want to do that. I mean, Mitch Keller, great that he pulled it out today. Good for Nick on that call. Three of his previous four were awful. And even without Yelich at Milwaukee for a pitcher who's had so many ups and downs, I don't I don't trust that at all. So all of these guys are I mean, not that these or any of these were swimming to start guys for you anyways. Right. I I was kind of into when it was police sack and then it turns into Plutko. He looked really good, but Philly I guess Philly and Cleveland Velasquez's matchup, those two are less than ideal. It's just Perez with Kansas City looks really good, and Keller yeah. is there. But the two-star, it just but, doesn't mean anything for you for the weekend. No, I mean, two-star two start is only interesting in weekly leagues where you're getting both the starts, I feel like. Um, you know, Beyond that, obviously, there's not any significance to it. Uh, and Perez, I mean, it was the White Sox today, right? That he gave up 10 hits in four and two-thirds innings. And there hasn't really been a lot in, you know, other than that great, start to the season he had there hasn't been a lot to get excited about from him i mean if you're if you're mashing together two great matchups you cross your fingers one of them's going to be good but when you're down to just a one for one shot uh which is what that second start is in in a in a league where you're setting daily lineups no all right let's take a quick break you guys thought i forgot about something i didn't forget about it we're hitting the worryometer when we come back from this break you betcha Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is a Worryometer Wednesday. I just didn't say it at the top of the episode, but you guys know it's implied. It's Wednesday. Who are we worried about? Well, how about the very talked about John did not means business in his first start in those two starts. Five and two-thirds inning, five earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. He has got Seattle coming up next as his next start here. So what do you think? Where is the worryometer on the second start for John Means? Uh, he's a two-star pitcher that I w- that I got behind more at the start of the year. I actually picked him up to use him in a relief pitcher spot in a head-to-head points league. It's one of those that I'm playing, I'm vying for the championship in. And obviously it hasn't gone well. He's not a pitcher whose skill set I buy into completely, but contrasting him with somebody like Adam Plutko or Julio Tehran or another one of those pitchers who isn't, really showing the skills but is getting the results uh it it seems like means quality of contact is su- superior from from a pitching standpoint his ex woba and ex batting average are lower than those other pitchers 
and just low in general. So I would put I would put it at like a five. I'm not immediately yanking him from my lineup if I still have a chance to, but people are gun shy. I just want to throw that out. Yeah. We, I got, we got some tweets about it. Nothing harmful, nothing crazy. I think the majority of everybody, uh, Pollock was with us on this. Everyone was kind of with that. Like, Hey, listen, John means is near the top of the list of good matchups at, for a pitcher that has performed at a relatively high level. It just doesn't always work out. I mean, skill sets, you know, sometimes implodes a little bit. He had been coming off of, what was it? Five straight starts where he hadn't given over, given up over two earned runs. Strikeouts were there. He was getting some wins, and he gets the best matchup of maybe that he's had in his last seven starts outside of Kansas City, and he gets blown up a little bit. But there's a lot of people that feel gun shy. You have a worryometer five, mm-hmm. but you're still you are still going to put him out there this weekend. I mean, he's not an automatic sit, is what I'm like. It depends what you need. If your if your needs are mainly ERA and WHIP, probably not. If your needs are strikeouts and wins, probably. If it's a points league, and you know that's generally not the kind of leagues where you're setting daily lineups, but then I think it's a yes. I would put my worryometer around six or seven because of what's left here, and trying to determine is John Means this Seattle start truly better than some of the stuff that we've already talked about. I'm not so sure. If you had John Means at the beginning of the week, you're probably somebody that is looking at Alcantara. You are probably looking at Plutka later in the week or any mm-hmm. maybe even a Homer Bailey. You're probably in that territory now. So if you're able to write the ship a little bit, I would feel very concerned about John Means taking me out at the end. But it's circumstantial. You guys see where you're at on the back end of the week. It is a really good matchup. And yeah. if um you know if you're if you're trying to catch back up with ratios, you put him out there. If you're holding tight, I don't know. I can't imagine you're holding tight because he probably blew you up a little bit. So maybe you do start him no matter what. Well, I mean, I would probably rank Bailey. Well, Musgrove, I guess first Musgrove and Bailey ahead of him. If we're if we're ranking one start sleepers, I guess at this point is what we're calling them. That's where we're at now. Yeah. Um. I would probably put mm, between him, between Means and Alcantara. That's a tough call. I like Sandy. I don't like him going against Arizona, but Cattell Marte is going to be probably be out for that start, which helps it even a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. I'm going to go Sandy. Okay. Yes. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. We'll go Means fourth here in the pecking order. I like it. All right. Uh, number two on the Warriometer. I was digging around and uh, I was going through a lot of the drops and the views and this was a really interesting name. If I can keep stalling for time to find my place again, I'm doing the Scott White. I'm just trying to find my place. All right, uh, was this catcher Will That's Smith? That's what I do. Yeah, I know. I was just like keep talking until That's you my get thing. There. Yeah, uh, Will Smith was the most dropped hitter on CBS that didn't have an injury currently. As I went and looked, only three hits in September. His average, which walked into September, was at 292. Sure, he doesn't have a million at bats or anything like that, but still, he walked into September with a 292 batting average. It is down to 250 coming into Tuesday. A lot of catching options are out there. We've talked about guys like Sean Murphy. Some other guys are catching fire. So, worryometer at this point in the year on Will Smith, who is also 0 for 2 as uh, the Dodger Tampa Bay game is going on right now. Yeah, worryometer for Will Smith, I would put at about a. I'm going to put it at a six. 
I was debating between six and seven. I'm putting it at six because I feel like your alternatives at catcher are still pretty limited, though Sean Murphy is a good one. I don't know. I I assume you and Nick talked about him on Monday and how suddenly, uh, I guess it started with the two-homer game, but he he looks like the Athletics' primary option behind the plate, as he should be because he's a great defender who's made huge strides offensively the past two years, remind you of anyone else, it should remind you of Will Smith. But the strikeout history is, isn't is nearly as pronounced. I mean, it's it's non-existent. I mean, even when he wasn't a good hitter, Sean Murphy wasn't a guy who struck out. So I could see making that switch. I don't have either team's matchups pulled up for the next week, but that would be worth knowing. And I pull it up right now. So the Dodgers have six games against Padres and Giants. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oakland has six games against the Angels and Mariners. That's even better. Even better. Yeah. So I could see making that switch. And and more than that, I mean, Will, Will Smith, part of what got me excited about him and, and what got everybody excited about him, I'm sure, is... Would you say you got you getting jiggy with it? <laughs> Sorry. No. Sorry. Very, I, I'm I very And I shouldn't have laughed at that. No, you shouldn't have. I, I apologize to everybody. That, was, that yeah. probably ended my CBS career right there. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not back, you know why. It's because of I did the getting jiggy with it thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he the strikeout prior to this year were terrible for Will Smith. And then he really seemed to overcome that AAA this year. I mean, here in September with the struggles, he's striking out like 35% of the time. It's been really bad. And, you know, maybe he's going to overcome that in the near future. But I'm, I'm kind of worried about Will Smith in terms of next year, too, because I kind of, I mean, I'd written the column previewing catcher rankings for next year. I'd penciled him in there in the five spot. I was about to say, yeah, it was top five, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, if if he doesn't turn things around in a significant way, and I'm assuming he'll have all postseason to do that too, but uh, assuming he's going to be given the full time opportunity, if he keeps hitting like this, they might well, bring out those alternative options. Really good defender, but as things stand now, I think I'd have to move Mitch Garver ahead of him for fifth. I I don't see myself dropping Will Smith lower than six, but you know that kind of depends how things play out play out for Sean Murphy too, because he has a lot of upside himself. And I think uh, that is a good spot for it. Uh, seven on the Worryometer, and there are droppable options out there um, if you are dealing with the worry of Will Smith. What else is going around the league? Um, well, Mookie Betts' ailing left foot showed inflammation as he had an MRI on Monday. It's good news, but ultimately, I feel a little troutish here because it's like, what do I do with it? I don't know. I mean,. You know, if you're locked into a lineup, you're good to go. If you've got alternative options, you need to kind of keep going with that. But it's just another, I mean, how many MVPs can we have knocked out of the end of the year? I'm not saying he's knocked out because we just don't know, but it's unfortunate that this is happening on this run right here. Yeah. And it's going to certainly uh, lend credence to the argument. You just need to, you need to end your season early in fantasy baseball and not even worry about this. So, I mean, these are all injuries that would sideline players for, well, certainly in the case of Trout and uh, Yelich, player injuries that would sideline players for weeks. It just so happened to happen in September, but it could have happened in August, you know, August first, in the same situation probably. Could have, so, could have, woulda, didn't. I'm a I, big I, proponent for uh, September first being the end of your playoffs. Yeah, I, I think, 
I think it's just, uh, you know, bad timing as opposed to the timing of it contributing to the prognosis of the injury. Now, Mookie Betts' case might be different because Mookie Betts might be a day-to-day thing that they just run out of days with. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, if you're, if you're talking setting a weekly lineup, you have... He has what? He has five days to get back in the lineup, four days to get back in the lineup if you're really going to trust him for that final week. And I'm not confident that's going to happen. If he does get, I mean, once he's good, you put him back in. There's no worries that go along with him. It's just, is he going to get back there? Another one that we lost, we actually lost a couple guys for the rest of the year, at least getting shut down. We got Lucas Giolito, who shut down for the rest of the year after he was diagnosed with a mild right lat strain. And the other one, as I had him in a different area, was Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock is officially done for the year after on going on Tuesday, five innings, one earned run, Fine. and nine strikeouts. Finally. That's done. But, I mean, I kind of got you there. I, I got to say, I mean, it, it all year, since, since the first whispers of him potentially making the opening day or the, the, the first rotation the, at the start of the year for the Padres, We've talked about, okay, he's not going to make it all season. Just understand that if you're going to invest in him. He's not going to, like, he may not make it through August, right? I I didn't think he would make it through August. It turns out, all but the last week of the season, you were able to start him. He did take, I guess, that he did miss that turn, what was it, in June, July, something like that. He missed a turn, got sent to the minors where he didn't make a start. But. That's how you manage a young pitcher like this, though. That is, a, I mean, yeah. to me, that's the prototypical, especially for fantasy owners. If we had more teams committed to treating these young pitchers like that, we would have much more confidence in moving along with them. Though not all the young pitchers do anything remotely close to what Chris Paddock did this year. Well, at any, you know, we here we are nearing the end of September, and he threw only 140 innings. Part of that was also uh, they they kind of basically went six man rotation with just him. And so that meant few two start weeks for him this year. And obviously that, that made a difference too in how you used him. But next year, I mean, the fact he managed to go 140 innings, I think, I think he's just going to be free to pitch. Not maybe not entirely free, but I think 180 innings is certainly on the table. And, Apart from proven aces, you don't expect more than 180 innings from anybody. So, especially the way Paddock finished this season, his final four starts, one earned run in the total, you know, combined between the four starts, 32 strikeouts to four walks and 23 and a third innings. It's just a very impressive season, and he's he's going to be in the discussion, I think, for top 25, you know, up there with guys like you, Darvish. Uh, I think heading into next year. I think so. Now, this one dicey. I need to go into what the deal is, but I just want to bring this up. And if there's uh, something quickly you want to drop with it, Felipe Vasquez with the Pirates is done. He is done as a pirate. I think he's done as a baseball player, and he might be done as a free civilian with some pretty horrific allegations that are out there. Allegations, of course, but Felipe Vasquez, it's nasty stuff. But we also had people asking, clearly you drop him. What does the situation in Pittsburgh look like if you are, even, I don't know, if you're just trying to deal with it for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the week and a half that's going on? Because Felipe, Felipe Vasquez will not uh, wear a Pirates uniform again. Uh, yeah, um, that's a good question. And I hadn't really 
I hadn't really, I, I guess, looked beyond the headline to that aspect of it. We had a couple emails about it that, I mean, everybody is kind of with the narrative of like, you know, talking about what the stuff is because it's bad, but then also yeah. being like, well, what exactly do I also do? I mean, Keone Kella kind of maybe seems like the, would that right. be the guy? I mean, their bullpen is riddled. I mean, I, ironically, the Kyle Crick thing, him and Vasquez and Crick getting into a, a whole thing, but Crick is out for the season. So Kella seems like the, I don't know, he seems yeah. like the likely guy. And he has closing experience. He was the Rangers closer for most of last year. He's pitched well since coming back from the IL. I, I would guess he's the guy. I'm not sure speculating on a Pirates closer is something I'm that interested in doing this time of year. But uh, Kell is a good reliever. And yeah, I mean, he may he may turn in a surprising saves total in this week and a half. I guess a surprising saves total would be like four, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can look for it. Uh, just some other quick notes here. Della Patances diagnosed with a partial tear of his left Achilles tendon out for the year and might miss 2020 time. Craig Kimbrell tossed a 16-pitch simulated game on Tuesday in Wrigley Field. There's a thought process he might come back this weekend. Maybe you can save a save or two. We'll have to monitor that. Phillies placed Corey Dickerson on the 60-day with a fractured left foot. Your guy, Joe Kipnis. Jason is done for the year with a fractured hammock bone know. in his right wrist. Ooh, yeah, that one made me sad. Yeah, it does. Jorge Alfaro, day-to-day with a left-hand contusion. Looks like Piscotti might not return. Uh, and in two positive notes, the Mariners activated Domingo Santana from the 10-day IL. And Keston here returned to the starting lineup going one for three. So those are some positive hitter notes for people. Any Anything we need to know or digest on any of those guys? Domingo Santana coming back, Hira back in. Anything of uh, relevance? Mm, I mean, Hira actually being back in the lineup is a pretty big deal. He's been getting a lot of industry buzz in like early mock draft contexts. People really high on him. And I, I kind of understand, but no, like everybody's overlooking this crazy high strikeout rate he's had as a rookie. And maybe just because, you know, he wasn't that kind of strikeout guy in the minors. Maybe that's fair, but I don't know. It, it it concerns me some. I'm also not sure how much Domingo Santana is actually going to play. He wasn't in the lineup today. Obviously, Kyle Lewis. I mean, between he and Nico Horner, mm. you know, my my dismissal of both <laughs> is looking pretty horrible. Which, by but the Kyle, way, oh, no, sorry, you finish, and then I'll tell you about the most added hitters because there's relevance to the players you just mentioned. Yeah. Now, I did make Kyle Lewis the cover boy of my top 10 sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. Excellent. I was giving Kyle Lewis... He did Lewis strike out four times today, though. So. <laughs> right after I gave him kind of the, the front run of being like, Kyle Lewis is a guy that you pick over some pretty serious names right now. He's the hot bat. Kind of, you almost take the, I think I was saying it with Nick, kind of the Aquino approach that it's like, sometimes these guys with the higher strikeout profiles, you know, that catch fire with their bat, you know, Aquino is kind of the backdrop for what Kyle Lewis could be the rest of the year. We just didn't know when it was going to end with Kyle Lewis. Hopefully it's not the top of it, which by the way, the top four hitters added on CBS right now, Kyle Lewis at the top up to 33% owned four homers, nine RBIs in his last six games. Sean Murphy was number two, who we talked about a guy to take over Will Smith up to 32% owned four homers, eight RBIs in 10 games. Nico Horner, Number three most added up to 30%. He was one for four on Tuesday. And I thought this was interesting. Trent Grisham was a fourth, mo- fourth most added up to 30%. He's got hits in four of his last five games. And I feel like you look at all those uh, outfield injuries. People lost Yelich. You're losing Mookie Betts. Mike Trout is out. Grisham kind of seems like the guy I think that a lot of people have moved to. And I think 
it's for the most part paying off, though Kyle Lewis would have been the play. Yeah, Gresham actually was also in my top 10 sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. It was a righty loaded schedule for the Brewers. Uh, I haven't fully vetted this yet, obviously, but it's looking like another righty loaded schedule for them next week. So that would be good news for the left handed hitting Grisham, who, let's see, is he batting? He's in the leadoff spot today. Has that been the norm for him? Because that's also a pretty big deal. And it looks like it has been the norm for him. So, yeah, another reason to get behind Grisham. So how about this for you? Uh, someone that we've talked a lot about, like 20 seconds ago, Aristides Aquino, hit his 16th homer on Tuesday. But he went one for four. He's still, mm-hmm. he's he's a lot of what, like I think we're figuring out exactly the type of player that he is as he's starting to level out. Would you want Kyle Lewis or Trent Grisham over Aquino for the last week and a half of the season? Well, that would be largely matchups based, I feel like. And I say that, yeah, I understand it's been an awful September for Aquino. This was only his second home run for the month. And uh, he's batting like, let's see, he's 156 in his previous 18 games before tonight. But it hasn't been like Will Smith because he's striking out every third at bat. It hasn't been that. And so I, it, it doesn't concern me quite as much. I think, obviously, he's not a must-start anymore. That's, that's certainly in three outfielder leagues, that's fair to say. But um, yeah, the strikeout rate's higher than I thought. It's less than 30%, though, so that's not as bad as Will Smith. But it's not good. Uh, it would be matchups-based, I would say, just to sum it up. So maybe they're all in the same line, though. They're even. Yeah. That's the key. Uh, I mean, I would... I would uh, Break Aristides would Aquino would still be a tie breaker for me. And looking at the Reds matchups, they got the Brewers and Reds next week. Well, they don't play. I'm the sorry, Suns, they are yeah. the Reds, the Brewers and Pirates next week. That's pretty good. That's pretty good yeah. matchups. Um, some good starting pitching performances on Tuesday. Patrick Corbin struck out 11, no earned runs in six. Justin Verlander eight six with no earned runs. Marcus Stroman with a really good start. Really been good since I was questioning. Him on the back half of this uh, this playoff run. Seven, no one runs with seven strikeouts. Uh, Gonzalez, Mike Gonzalez went out there. Seven, no one runs with four strikeouts. And we already talked about Paddock. But what about these good pitchers but runs given up? We had three of them. You Darvish, who went seven, gave up one walk, 13 strikeouts, but four <laughs> earned runs. Sonny Gray gave up four earned runs, but he went six and two-thirds with nine strikeouts. And Lance Lynn went seven with four earned runs and eight strikeouts. All performances you're going to take, but none are quality starts. So good pitchers, but what's with the runs, man? Well, you Darvish, his previous 11 starts, a 244 ERA, 0.78 whip, 12.6K per nine. That was his previous 11. Sonny Gray, his previous 14, a 175 ERA, 0.92 whip, 10.88K per nine. Nobody's worrying about them. Lance Lynn, I could see how people might worry about him. It's been... A six-start stretch now. I think this this one moves his ERA during that stretch over four. But it was three home runs in this game, a combined two in the previous five. So it's not like he's giving up a lot of home runs. Four of the six, he's allowed five hits or fewer. The swinging strike rate has been great. The strikeouts have been great. I don't see any reason to actually worry about Lance Lynn, even though the results have been worse. I would just stick with him. 
I've got a couple emails I swear we're actually going to hit just like, let's hit two or three. These are 2020 based. I've been teasing it for a week, but guys, we got so much to talk <laughs> about that you know we can't uh, take away the stuff that's uh, winning people championships right now. But fantasy baseball at cbsi.com, you send them in. Maybe this last episode, the Monday episode, we'll try to really get some of these in and get a good little 2020 in. First up, Dear Lucky, Dusty, Ned, and El Guapo. Do you know what that's from? That is the three amigos. Adam Azer. Let me tell you something about this Azer. He had the audacity to send me this email and then go, hey, do you know the reference? And I said, uh, <laughs> do I know the reference? It and he's like, like wheelhouse. Yeah. He, are you kidding me? He's like, well, you only know Nick Schwartzen. And I said, all right. You have now, now guns have been drawn here. You guys have never seen The Jerk. Don't tell me about Steve Jerk. Martin movies. I knew I yeah. replied to him within seven seconds of this email. El Guapo gives it away. One of the best movies of all time. Sorry. Keep your question. Seven by seven league with runs, homers, RBI, doubles and triples, stolen base average and OBP, forever keeper, Hira or Lux at $1. That's from Brendan in Thunder Bay. Ooh. I'm sure Hira is going to get drafted first next year between these two. I and he may be the safer play. He may be like there. He's been hyped as you know a leap bat from the day he was drafted. I feel like Lux, at his best, would have more to offer because Hira. I mean, I don't think the strikeouts are going to continue necessarily, but the walk rate, he's not a guy who's going to get on base much aside from the hits. So I would go Lux. I think this one is really, really close. I'm going to go with uh, Hira by a very, very small margin. Though, if you're talking in redraft context, it's funny. I have all the shares of Lux in every early mock draft I'm doing because nobody is valuing him where he should be. But I think they're yep. pretty close, and that's a pretty good value. Um Let's see. Who is this from? Hey, guys, thanks for keeping the podcast going as we're winding through the playoffs. Great stuff. That said, however, I want to plan for 2020. 16 team can keep one hitter and pitcher. The catch is you lose. Uh, let's see. They have to have been drafted after round five. Who would you keep from the following? The hitters are Bo Bichette, DJ LeMayhew, Joey Gallo, and Gio Urshela. Um, that, ooh, that's got to be Joey Gallo, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Joey, though. I want to take Bichette. Yeah. Oh man, it's definitely not Urshela. No, I, I, I don't think we should. We could dismiss Lemayhu out of hand either. But I don't think it's about I mean, dismissing. I think it's just like clearly got to be Gallo or Bichette. Yeah, not to say that DJ isn't close. I mean, this is one hitter, one pitcher. You're playing this one year to the next. This isn't like the last question to keep forever scenario. Exactly. I think you go Gallo. It's just whoever's going to get drafted earliest next year, and I think it's Gallo. I agree. Pitchers, he has Brad Hand, Kirby Yates, and Lucas Giolito. Giolito. Yeah, it's clearly got to be Giolito. And he yeah. said he was leaning Bichette and Giolito, but we are going to go with Gallo and Giolito. Uh, Chris from Nashville, longtime listener and love the new Chris. Would you look at that? Thank you, Chris. I traded away my postseason hopes for keepers. Uh, keep up to 10 players. I've got seven players I know who to keep. I'm having trouble picking my last three. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's got... <laughs> Eduardo Escobar, Tommy Pham, Zach Gallen, I, be I believe that's Caleb Smith, Brantley Heaney, Dahl, and Woodruff. Um, those are the seven he's keeping. I oh, no, no. Those are those are the cho to choose from. He's got Otani, Soto, Mondesi, Paddock, Snell, Corbin, and Alonzo. So he's got three pitchers, Otani of a four. So this is this is Gallen, Pham, and Eduardo Escobar pretty easy. Do you Gallen, agree? 
Bam and Eduardo Escobar. Would you replace Caleb Smith? Head. Yeah, would you replace Caleb Smith or Brantley with any of those three that I just listed? Gallon, Fam, or Escobar? Are these prices that he's keeping them for next to them? I think they're rounds. It's not clear. Oh, round number? I want to say that, that they're round. I mean, Woodruff at 22 is pretty nice. Honestly, I think Brantley's the top keeper of all of them. Okay. Michael Brantley. So then so who would... gets knocked? Escobar, Fam, or Gallon? Uh, considering it's a categories league, I would say Gallon. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm with that. I, it's eh, it's kind of a bummer. Oh, you know why also it's clearly that too? Let's point this out. He doesn't. He only has Soto as his other outfielder. So uh, I'm assuming, and he says this is a five outfielder league. So get another one in there. Brantley clearly is that. So I think that is a good one. And uh, real quick one. Hey, real quick. Sean says, will Carlos Carrasco be a SPRP guy next year or fall short on appearances? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure how many relief appearances he's made. I can look it up real quick. He is at he's at six. He needs to make 10. So that's, so, mm, I think, unlikely, but possible. It's within a reach. So monitor if you get eh, four more in the next, what, seven, eight days? I think that's possible. He has it's been going possible, a little bit deeper. But it's not so. likely. No, it's oh, not he, likely. he appeared today. So it's five. All right. We're getting five there. Needs to make. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go, Carlos Carrasco. All right. Good stuff. Send those emails in fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and we will try to answer your stuff, whether we can help you out in the final week of this season or it's looking to 2020. And just like Scott said, make sure you guys are locked in because there's going to be content on here, even if Scott's rocking with all your 2020 takes, and it'll be kind of probably a more free flowing type of an episode. You guys can follow us on Twitter at CBSI Scott White. You can follow me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. Again, if you want to check out my uh, Royce Lewis interview that's coming up, that'll be on my show Prospect One later this week. All you dynasty people that are into prospects, I'll be doing lots of interviews, so that should be cool stuff. But until then, friendos, we got you guys set for the rest of this week up until Friday, and we'll get you through the weekend, and then we will be having the final two episodes. So thank you all for listening, and we will be back on Friday right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.